Hello there. I have two cats on my desk and a microphone, so it must be time for me to record the intro to Smart Podcast Trashy Books. Hi, I'm Sarah. This is episode number 335, holy cow, and I am very excited that you are here. Today, I thank you, Orville. Orville is also excited enough to kick my sound box. Two cats on the desk. This is going to be a great intro. Today, I am talking with Karen and Anna from the Double Love Podcast. If you are familiar with the Dairy Burger, the Chocolate Bar, Nicholas Morrow, Winter Carnival, and One Bruce One, this episode is entirely going to make you very happy. Sometimes I get to interview people whose work I really admire, and when I get to, it is a delight. Today I'm chatting with Karen Moynihan and Anna Carey from Sweet Valley High. Well, actually, no, they are not from Sweet Valley High. How amazing would it be if they were from Sweet Valley High? They are from the Sweet Valley High podcast, Double Love, which I've mentioned on the site, and I think I've mentioned here too. We start by talking about Irish slang, and then we move into a discussion of many, many things. We talk about what it is about Sweet Valley High that creates so much opportunity for examination, even decades after they were first published. They have this strange mix of nostalgia and camp, and there is no limit, as Karen and Anna say in their intro, of strange and terrifying things to talk about in the world of Sweet Valley. We begin with how they found Sweet Valley books, what led them to start a podcast about them, and we also talk about how many people have some familiarity, if not full fluency, in the world of Sweet Valley and Sweet Valley lore. We also learn what an Irish book token is and how badly I want one, and we discuss the terrible messages contained in the series world regarding dating, sexuality, masculinity, healthy body weight, class, consent, and generally existing in the world, to say nothing of the kissing booths. <laughs> they are compelling and ridiculous and can be and addictive, so of course we talk about them and about what they say and how much some of the more horrific parts shock us when we reread them today. You also get a little bit of nostalgia from me about my own college's beauty pageant, which was indeed a real thing, and we talk about, of course, what they're reading. Now, I have two major notes, so this part is important. At about 41 minutes in, we talk about and criticize the fat shaming of Sweet Valley High, but if that is something that would be upsetting to you, you'll want to skip ahead about two to three minutes. Second, I'm doing something a little different for this episode, and this is the really important part. I want to make sure that you listen. During the recording, we talked a little bit about the Irish referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment, which banned abortion in Ireland. Both Anna and Karen campaigned actively, and after the amendment was overturned by a very wide margin, they talked about it in one of the episodes of Double Love, and their exhausted joy and relief was really reassuring to me as a listener. So I asked them about it, about the Eighth Amendment, and what for them has been a lifetime of activism on behalf of women. However, because they discussed the details of some of the horrible events that were caused by the Eighth Amendment, I've relocated this part of the conversation so that it is after the outro and after the music. That way, if you'd like to hear our conversation about the referendum, their activism to overturn the amendment, and the inspiration of actually winning a thing that you worked for, you can do so. But if details of assault and abortion activism are not for you, you won't miss any other part of the interview. So if you wait until after the music, there's an additional section But if it would be extremely triggering or upsetting for you to hear stories of assault or rape or to hear discussion about the amendment and its effects, then you can just listen to the music and then stop. I hope this solution works for you. And if it doesn't, I hope you'll please let me know a better way to handle this sort of situation. 
And if you love Sweet Valley High or you have feedback or you want to ask me questions, please do get in touch. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call me at 1-201-371-3272 and leave a message or tell me a joke. I love those two. Those are always great. Today's podcast is brought to you by Suddenly Mine by Samantha Chase, the newest book in her fan favorite Montgomery Brothers series. If you like Susan Mallory and Bella Andre, you will love this contemporary romance set on the California coast. Christian Montgomery is burnt out. The family business might be his entire world, but his father's judgment means Christian never stops working. His only respite is gazing at the beach and the carefree surfers riding the waves, especially the curvy redhead who caught his attention. Sophia Bennington has just fled from her small Kansas town to California, where she's trying her best to embrace her new beginning. Soon, Christian and Sophia find one another, and it feels like sanctuary. But when their difficult pasts catch up to them, will they run away from each other or toward a new future? Samantha Chase has been called classic, thoughtful, and as lyrical as the stars. And Booklist says Chase just gets better and better. Sweeter Than Hot and Hotter Than Sweet, Suddenly Mine by Samantha Chase is coming January 29th wherever books are sold. You can find out more at chasing-romance.com. This week's transcript is, as always, hand-compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. And it is brought to you by our Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are helping me ensure every episode has a transcript, and you're making each episode accessible to everyone. If you would like to join the Patreon community, it would be awesome. You can have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month. And we are starting a podcast book club. The Patreon community is going to be telling us what to read. So if you'd like to give us all your opinions, have a look and you can join us at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Also, a special hello to Jennifer G, who sent in last week's canine pee joke. She listens while she's baking and she sent me pictures of her baking in progress. It's like pastry porn and she said I could share the picture. So have a peek if you want to look at Carbo Inspiration. And... To Sherry C, I have a compliment. You ready? Sherry C, thank you so much for being part of the Patreon. While I always advocate taking the vacation time that you have earned, I also know that for your friends and family, being around you is so relaxing, it's like taking a mini vacation. If you would like your own compliment, totally have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And thank you to everyone who's part of our Patreon community. I will have information at the end of the podcast about the music, about what's coming up on Smart Bitches, and I will have a truly terrible joke. But it is time for this interview, and it's a bit of a long one. I hope you enjoy it. On with the podcast. I found your podcast earlier this year, and I would listen to one episode after another, after another, while I was cross-stitching. And there's a couple of things that I had to change. One, I usually listen to podcasts at about 1.4 speed, and I had to slow yours down because I was terrified I would miss some awesome Irish slang. <laughs> like every time you call somebody a wagon, it gives me life. Because I had no idea what that meant, and I had to look it up. Like they're a wagon? Like they're a drag? Is that what that means? They drag behind you? We don't know what the origins are. Yeah, we're not sure. It's pretty much just like a woman who makes like difficult yeah. for people. It's a, it's <laughs> a pain in the ass. It's a better, I think it's an even better version of, of bitch. Yeah. 
Just like Yeah, because bitch has sort of an element of anger and aggression and wagon, it sounds like, is someone who's just really a drag. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's a <laughs> yeah. pain in the hoop Absolutely. to use another <laughs> another uh, bit of Irish slang. Okay. I think we hoop? A pain <laughs> in the hoop? It basically means a pain in the arse. So. <laughs> <laughs> we need to put a glossary in our show notes or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you have any other questions for you know of puzzling Irish slang yeah. that, that has come up, then <laughs> feel free to ask. Okay. <laughs> so I had so much, so many hours of utter enjoyment listening to your podcast. So I have to start before I even ask you to introduce yourselves. Whoever's listening to this is going to be like, who are these people? Thank you so much for your podcast. Oh my God. Uh, well, I'm so thrilled to hear that you like it because I have been a big fan of your site for a very long time. I remember ages ago going on a massive Julia Quinn binge purely thanks to discovering her on Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and there's plenty of other writers I've discovered over the years, thanks to you. So it's a uh, mutual appreciation. This is brilliant. I love this. <laughs> okay, so this is the awkward part. Would you please introduce yourselves now that I have squeed embarrassingly <laughs> and let my inner 13-year-old just out of her cage. Could you introduce yourselves to the people who will be listening? Sure. Uh, I'm Karen Moynihan. I'm a graphic designer and big time Sweet Valley fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I am Anna Carey. I'm a journalist and author and also a massive Sweet Valley fan. Or is is fan the right word, Karen? I don't know. Well, critical fan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. uh, Sweet Valley obsessive. Well, that's true. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I think critical fan is is a perfectly appropriate term. That's kind of the territory I squarely occupy for romance novels. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's like we get massive. I suppose the difference is between obviously the, with with Sweet Valley and romance novels is that obviously there are loads of romance novels that are genuinely really smart and you know fun and. Uh, and and emotionally satisfying, which you cannot say about Sweet Valley Books. <laughs> but no, but we do get masses of genuine entertainment out. Oh, absolutely! And, yeah. You know there aren't that many of those eighties teen books because, like, I was you know ten or eleven when the first Sweet Valley book came out, and so I remember the other books of that ilk that were out at the time in the sort of late eighties, mid eighties, and not there weren't that many others that are fun are entertaining to mock mm. no so, so I, I think people underestimate how much skill goes into making a series that however ridiculous and stupid it is <laughs> is still very entertaining to read like reading those yes. is fun it is so much fun yeah that's yeah. true yeah and they have this longevity like there you can be very fluent in sweet valley high and meet another person who's fluent in sweet valley high and not only do you have about nine hours of conversation <laughs> but there is a fluency in this world that is is completely not of this world. It's it's like utter fantasy land, and yet it's really campy and fun to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, Karen, you started doing your your Sweet Valley recaps. How long ago was that? God, yeah, a couple of years ago, I started. Um, yeah, I, I had found that was it because I was such a big reader of Sweet Valley High back when I was maybe ten mm-hmm. or eleven. And it was just one of those things I suppose I outgrew them, kind of forgot about them for ages and then found one in a charity shop a few years ago. And just when I read it, it all just kind of came flooding back. And I was like, oh, my God, the Hershey bar. Oh, my God, all of this. So I started writing recaps of the books on my blog. Um, and it was just such a fun nostalgia buzz. Like it was just so much, so much fun to do and so much fun to talk about with people then who also just loved it, too. 
And I think they are burnt into everyone's brain. Yeah. Like if you read them at the time, because they, they are so, you know, there's so many iconic things oh in them. Like the Hershey <laughs> bar, the Fiat Spider, the Smith level Ranches. The Lime Green Triumph. Oh my God. I mean. <laughs> One Bruce. Dairy oh. Burger. Oh yeah, yeah. The Dairy, well, we, we had, we got very annoyed um, when we were uh, on our podcast when we were <laughs> reading the book in which the dairy burger gets a makeover yeah in a sort of, with tasteful you know wooden boom oh it sounds awesome yeah. yeah it's all wrong we've just yeah. decided that that didn't happen yeah it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's a 50 style diner, a diner yeah. in our brains so you retconned the dairy burger yes <laughs> <laughs> it was for the best <laughs> we, that's one of those books that we're not sure is like there's a lot of stuff that the ghost writer i think it was dear sister oh or Maybe. was it? No, it was the one where Todd gets the motorbike. It's the one before it was oh, Dangerous Love. Dangerous Love. Yes, I think a ghostwriter went rogue or something. Oh my gosh, yeah, they kept putting stuff in and like yeah. giving people names that didn't have names before, like the owner of this of the Dairy Burger. And yeah. you just thought, this person's going, this is my one chance. I'm putting my mark on it. Yeah. 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 And I bet Francine was just like, never employ that woman again. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we don't really accept the, uh, the Dairy makeover. Burger innovation. So how did you end up starting the Double Love podcast? Um, well, I had, I think I, I there was an, a pod, I'd listened to an episode, I think it was of the Teen Creeps podcast, mm. where they talked about the evil twin, one of the most amazing uh, <laughs> Sweet Valley books that where. I mean, it's the point of no return. <laughs> it's when it's the climax of the of the series, the sort of mini series in which there is a lookalike of the Wakefield twins called Margot. Oh God, I'm so who excited! Go, who goes on a killing spree across <laughs> America before arriving in Sweet Valley and attempting to kill one of the twins and take her place. And uh, when I was like, this was a, a podcast that did all sorts of, you know, ridiculous teen stuff. And I thought, oh, my God. And it was more general discussion of the of the book rather mm. than a straightforward, you know, in-depth kind of re- recap explaining yeah. where everybody was, where everything. And so I thought, God, it would be, you know, it'd be really fun to do a podcast in which you actually traced the whole series and because uh, obviously I know Karen and I knew that she had done it, I loved her website and I loved her <laughs> recaps it was really really funny so I got in touch and said would you be up for this <laughs> and then we contacted Head Stuff who were the podcast producers who uh, who produce who released the show and gave them a pitch and fair play to them because they're like oh that's right two blokes in their 30s <laughs> yeah. like well, they, um, <laughs> he came in with these armfuls of Sweet Valley High books and he was just like I have no idea what you're talking about but you seem really excited so yeah. let's just give it a go and see what happens <laughs> so thank god they took yeah. a, uh, they, they, they took a chance on us yeah and, uh, and it's been great working with them so yeah I'm, I'm, from that it took ages for the first episode to um, to come out and um, <laughs> um, so there was a bit of a gap. I think we we recorded it like in it was during the summer, yeah. really early summer, and then we ended up going like it wasn't released till the end of August. And in the meantime, another Sweet Body podcast That's was launched. Started, yeah. And we're like, oh no, people think we're copying. Yeah. 
That was it, because I remember us doing a search at the time when we were kind of pitching, and there was nothing. There was nothing. There was no This Week Valley podcast. We were like, all right, this is great. We're going to be the first one. Yeah, then like five months later, we (laughs) actually get around to releasing it. Um, But yes, we've done it more or less, uh, released an episode uh, with a couple of little breaks. Mm, Um, That's every two weeks. Yeah. For about a year and a half. half, Yeah, Yeah. it was was August last year, I think we started. Yeah. So we're 30. We get very confused with this now. And we're thirty we're thirty one books plus two specials. Yes. In at this stage. Oh, the specials. <laughs> well, we've got some more. Have you ever figured out how it is they have two Christmases, two spring breaks, and two summers, but they're still juniors? I know. Oh, like yeah, the school year lasts about five years, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think it doesn't make any sense. And also, I mean, considering they never go to class. True. Um, right? I'm always being taken out of class to like have a beach barbecue or something. Yes, like let's not have maths class. We're going to play softball. Okay, <laughs> Mr. Collins, we'll chaperone. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> when is he not there? Just always there. Yeah. Always. Oh, God. So, um, so yeah. Though time is time is a. What did you say in the last episode? I think time, time is a flat, flat circle. Great valley. So we've done. Um, well, our next episode, which is airing tomorrow as we record this, mm. is going to be on special Christmas, which is the <gasps> first Christmas special. I think so, yeah. Uh, and uh, we've got another special episode coming out uh, in two weeks. I don't know. Can we give an exclusive? I, yeah, I think we can. Podcast? Okay. <laughs> we will be discussing in another two weeks the Fowler saga, the story of Lila Fowler's ancestors that one is bonkers <laughs> it's completely insane we've, and amazing we've recorded the episode and it is it's just it's unhinged it's incredible yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually the book is genuinely amazing it is it is like it's so incredibly entertaining we loved it so yeah, that's, there's, a, there's a lot it makes the wakefield um saga look like a oh, gritty realism <laughs> my dogs do not like the wakefield saga they are not fans They're happy. well i mean no. there's a lot of of nonsense in it. oh man so much there's a lot to bark at yes, yes absolutely do you remember when you read your first sweet valley do you care? Was it a library? I was just trying to think of this, yeah. And I, like, I can't remember the first one I read because it was like I was so into it when I did get into it that it suddenly it was just like I'm surrounded by Sweet Valley and it's always been here and, <laughs> and I'm never leaving. I've always lived in Sweet Valley. Yeah. Um, but I did used to get them from the library um, in my hometown, and there was just this one big shelf full of Sweet Valley High books that I just worked my way through. And then when I'd get like book tokens or something for my birthday, I'd go and buy Sweet Valley Twins books because they were the new ones that were out in the oh. bookshop at the time. So I would read Twins, Hi, whatever was going, I was into it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I used to, when they launched first, um, I think it was in 1985, 86, 87. So it was sort of between sort of 10 and 11. And I didn't have any copies of them on my own they didn't have them in our local library but what I would do was when we went to the supermarket me and my sister would go to there was a little news agents come book stall in the shopping center and we would go and read the blurbs on the back of the book so I knew who everybody was and then by the time I was uh, you know about 12 I think I was getting a couple in like second-hand shops and charity shops but my I think it was almost even 
getting on too old to take them seriously right. even when, by the time I was 13 or so okay yeah. yeah when my big sweet valley thing was when I was in my mid-teens maybe or maybe about 17 my sister somehow came home with a copy of Crash Landing and Alone in the Crowd <laughs> and Oh, classics, classics. Absolute classics. Yes, exactly. Um, Because at that stage, you know, they were just, as far as we were concerned, these were just camp, insane masterpieces. Like, we were just really (laughs) into bratty nonsense. I was really into John um, Waters films. And uh, as far as I was concerned, this was an extension of them. So we just read all of them. Like, my sister just two years younger than me. And uh, between us, we got... Every more or less everyone that had been published at that stage, and it was just like a massive joke, to the extent that like my my other two sisters got in on it, and I have a copy <laughs> of a comic that my sister made, my youngest sister made when we were teenagers, that is like a horrible nightmare of me being transported to Sweet Valley, <laughs> <laughs> and there's Todd being like a. <laughs> wearing a muscle vest (laughs) um so for me it was always a joke but like I said you know there's a reason we joked about them and didn't become obsessed with the babies of this book or something or the much tackier teen books that were out at the time because it is something iconic about Sweet Molly that is both hilarious but really entertaining yeah so like you're taking the piss but you're you're reading them you know, no. Oh yeah, read them, yeah. Just, you're, you're still reading every one of them in the series, yeah. like, and it's 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 a commitment because there's like over a hundred books in that oh, series. And by the time like the the evil twin stuff come out, we were buying those ones new. Okay, I think when one of us had seen in a in a shop that there was like some mini series with a serial killer mm-hmm. and Elizabeth had killed somebody. Uh, you know, <laughs> at a pro- drink driving, except she was drugged. Oh man. Um. Then it was just, oh my God, this is amazing. We were literally like waiting for the next one to come out. And I think I was at, I was in college at that stage when I was living at home. So <laughs> we could all share them. Um, so yeah, like it may be a joke, but it's a joke that's lasted. It's enduring. Like, 25, <laughs> six years. In now I really want a Waters directed Sweet Valley moment. Oh my God. Could you imagine? I, oh my god like the pastel be, wonderland oh, I, would be exquisite would be, that would make me so happy that would <laughs> literally be my dream film so so um and i think it was you said and i'm apologize if i'm not remembering correctly you said something about getting a book token for your birthday what's a book token? oh that was me yeah. sorry yeah no it's just a venture. i'm sorry i'm sorry Karen. no you're fine um yeah uh, book tokens do they still do them oh yeah they do yeah yeah, yeah it's, just, one it's a, like um, a voucher that you can use in any bookshop yeah anywhere yeah so it's like a big thing in in britain and ireland it's like a confederation of booksellers yeah. it's yeah. like a book i can't close my mouth right now i'm like this is amazing are you serious yeah. 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 and because i do you know because i write um young adult books myself um <laughs> with with no you know evil blood twins in them they <laughs> yes. sometimes if, yes exactly <laughs> Yeah. But sometimes when you do book events, you know, you get like, you know, you get a fee, um, but you could sometimes also get a book token. Oh, and nice. Some events like, for you know, for charities and stuff, they won't, you know, you're doing it from your own, from the goodness of your heart, but they'll give you like a 50 quid book token, which is amazing because you can just buy books guilt free because you can't yeah. spend it on anything else. It has to go on book. Yeah. <gasps> and you can do it in any shop um, anywhere. So, yeah, they're amazing. Mm. So it's like a book specific currency. 
Yes, yes actually. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> and it's like a it's like a card with you know sort of credit card, but it's like a card with credit on it. So these days, so you'll get you know, say you get a fifty uh, euro book token when you pay for one book with it, they'll just take that off the top of the you know they'll take that off the token. But next time you go, you'll have you know forty or whatever thirty left. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it can last you a while. Mm, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I thought they were a universal thing. Yeah. No, no. I mean, we have gift cards for bookstores, but I don't think there's like a universal networked currency of just mm-hmm. book money. And like now, I want one. <laughs> you go to Ireland to spend it, which is fine. But oh my gosh, that's yeah. so cool! The campaign for American book tokens starts here. <laughs> we're here at the beginning. Yeah, somewhere Jeff Bezos is really pissed off and he doesn't know why. <laughs> yeah. It's like the anti-Amazon thing because yeah, you can use it in just in any bookshop. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. I remember very, very clearly the first Sweet Valley High I read. I have a habit of discovering books that are being read by other people and then wanting to take them away from them, which I realize is a terrible (laughs) habit. But I was at church youth group and a friend of mine was reading Winter Carnival, which I don't remember if you've remembered that one, but it ends with this wackadoodle dream sequence. Oh my God. Yes, it does. And like somebody dies and then it's all a dream because somebody was clearly watching Dallas. That's what happened. And I was like, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop reading it. It was so compellingly ridiculous. (laughs) That is literally the perfect summary of all three body books. Compellingly ridiculous. That's true. That's a good description. Yeah. (laughs) You can't stop reading them. It's incredible. They're like potato chips or crisps or however you call them. Oh my gosh. It's true. Yeah, they are just, I mean, they're, even though you know what's happened, what's going to happen, yeah. you always predict it. Somehow, there'll be something that will yeah. just catch you off guard or by surprise. <laughs> like, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, all those postgrads, I mean, they were mostly, you know, young, like, 25 year old mm. PhD students, yeah. like, you know, getting these this contract work from the publishers. Uh, they, you know, they knew what they were doing. Still my dream. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you've talked about how for the podcast, you've had to borrow them from your college library. <laughs> do you still have to do that? Like request them from, is it Trinity College? It is Trinity in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, because it's got a copyright library, which means it gets a copy automatically of every book sent, um, published in Britain and Ireland. So it's got everything. Um, actually, when when I was in college, my younger sister was two years behind me in Trinity, and once she came up to me in the library because she had called up um, the book. Uh, it was, I think, it was the Outcast. It's the one after Regina dies, oh. and one of the characters is blamed for it, That's and right, somehow we yeah. never read it. And she called it up from stacks. <laughs> um, I was like, look, look what I've got. <laughs> Oh, the most incredible use of Trinity's resources. I, I know. <laughs> we should be proud. That's what we had to pay fees. There was still college fees in those days. So that yeah. was, you know, that was what our fees were going to. Buy sweet body books. Well to get sweet body books. Um, but yeah, I I don't anymore, but only because Kindle recently pushed the, I don't know, at least the first 100 sweet body mm. books on a Kindle Limited. So I can borrow them, or if I have to b- borrow more than one, um, I can buy one for like 
two euro or something, which is right. too my bus fare going into, <laughs> going into town to go to the library. But yeah, I would have to call them up and spend like three hours in the library just reading taking them notes. and taking really intensive <laughs> So much hassle. But actually, when I was, I went to America on a student visa when I was um, just after I graduated college. So um, I was like about to turn 22 and I was in, uh, in Boston and I joined the Boston Public Library and they had a massive set shelf of Sweet Valley books. And I had never read the book in which I'd read the Jeffrey books. I'd read the Todd books, obviously, but I'd never read the crossover when Todd comes back. <laughs> and I got they had it and I got it out of the library and I was so embarrassed that I told the librarian in Bo- the big central Boston Public Library that I was writing a thesis <laughs> on young adult literature and I needed to get all these books out no yes it was a lie oh good cover story amazing <laughs> yeah I'm proud of myself amazing so one of the things that I know from my own history of reading Sweet Valley is that the Sweet Valley High books for a lot of romance readers our age were sort of the gateway book, um, which I find completely bananas Ooh. considering the politics and the portrayals of dating and the number of toxic men that are running around. Oh, <laughs> I don't I don't understand exactly why, but I know that it is true that so many people read Sweet Valley and then discovered romance and were like, oh, this is great. And so much of each Sweet Valley High book is some kind of terrible, dysfunctional courtship <laughs> of one type or another. As you reread them and you take like a really deep dive, what are some of the things you notice about messages that they have about dating and sexuality and masculinity? Oh, God. Nothing good, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> I think one of the things that's really struck us is that they need a date to go to everything. To go anywhere, to their friend's party. Yeah. It's like, you don't need yeah. to go to your friend's house. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you're just going to your friend's house on yeah. a Saturday night, but, but who's your date going to be? It's like, this is absolutely yeah. fucking insane. Like, even their parents are asking them, who's your date for the party? And it's like, why do you what? need one? <laughs> they, yeah. I think that's one of the striking yeah. things. And, you know, they have the odd bit of lip service to... Elizabeth's fine on her own but it's like yeah you're fine on your own for five books and most of them you're interfering in other people's True. relationships <laughs> and uh, then now she's well as of the last book that we we recap she's uh, she's got Jeffrey oh, she's got Jeffrey yeah. yeah so that's one of them god he's boring oh yeah. well he turned out to be a bit more unpleasantly boring than we remembered because he's at the end of the the last one he was uh he was like, you fool, why are you trying to fix <laughs> Yeah, then he puts his hands on her. Then yeah. he puts his hands on her and he kind of shakes her. And it's like, take your hands off her this instant. Oh, oh my God. Because <laughs> we just remembered him as being super boring. Yeah. And then he was both boring and uh, violent. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah, borderline. It's weird. It's like they suddenly fly, fly into these rages and it's like, what is yeah. going on with these men? That's not healthy. No. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I mean. I think one of the really unhealthy things is, uh, and genuinely kind of dangerous, is the stuff about consent or the oh, lack yeah. thereof. Because it's, you know, even though they famously later on in the series there is a book about an attempted sexual assault, mm. and uh, but and Bruce, you know, gets uh, basically tries to rape Elizabeth. He does, yeah, in one of them. But it's still very much seen as being. Uh, you know, in other cases, 
boys sort of pushing it is seen as being acceptable and yeah. even romantic. Mm. Take Nicholas Morrow. Nicholas Morrow. Oh God. Oh, what is with him? <laughs> oh. He's he's Dennis Reynolds from oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> he is a monster. Except the difference between him and Dennis is that in Always Sunny, Dennis is presented by the show as being a monster. True, yeah. You're not meant to think he's cool and yeah. suave. It's literally the opposite. Whereas in in Sweet Valley, Nicholas is just like, oh, he's so charming. He's such a good guy. It's yes. he isn't. And he's such a catch because he's wealthy. Oh. <laughs> He lives in his cozy mansion. Yes, the coziest. Yes. It's staggering how he is, his behavior and no one else's behavior is ever called out as, as unacceptable, unless they're actually a creepy orderly who kidnaps <laughs> him. <laughs> That's the line, kidnapping is the yeah. line. If you don't get the chloroform, then, then we, we, that's not okay. Yes, and it's, it's kidnapping and also being, uh, not being hot is the thing that's true oh yeah, right. handsome, it seems like then it's fine yeah. yeah so i suppose jack the uh jack the hunky construction worker who turned mm. out to be a drug addict yeah uh sort of yeah drug addict he was a hunk but in most cases it is just like if you're rich and good looking unless you're bruce but even bruce gets redeemed in the eyes of the uh you know bruce does terrible things and then it's yeah. like well he's changed uh, <laughs> The love of a good woman has changed oh, her, which God. is another really dodgy mess- yeah, message. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's the the sort of um, the morality chain of this one person is the only thing that that is the only reason that I have to not be a bad person, which is also related to a very common romance trope that I hate, yeah. which is terrible male has a feeling and learns to grapple with that one emotion <laughs> and therefore they are entirely redeemed of all the <laughs> shitty things they did. Yes. I mean, that is... Like, uh, as you say, it is a romance trope and it's definitely how they present Bruce. That is Bruce in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Right? (laughs) He had a feel and and he's okay with it. So then, you know, he's redeemed because he had a feel. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically... He knows how to have a feeling that isn't lust or wanting to, you know, put his penis in something. (laughs) (laughs) Or in Bruce's case, parade around in tiny shorts. Tiny shorts. I don't understand. How is there a candid picture of him for an auction (laughs) Bathing suit. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, we have so many questions oh in this school <laughs> auction. School auction. It's incredible. <laughs> Which a prize? The a charity auction. Oh yeah, is a <laughs> handed photo of one of the students mm. in a bathing suit. Incredible! It's insane. And who took it? Who took it? Who bought it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't know. somehow. It's okay because it's it's a male, but if it was a female, we would all be like, what? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Somebody would be arrested. So yeah. In fairness, I mean, quite a lot of the, uh, really, we've said before, and we'll say it again, that they need consent classes on everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a hotbed of, uh, of terrible I mean, lessons. <laughs> there's some foundation level things that you have to accept as, true in order for the whole universe to work and the the, <laughs> the the hurdle to get to that level is so ridiculous like you know you have to believe that elizabeth is this great writer because she writes a gossip column yeah. <laughs> that is one of the biggest things for me it's just like 
really, you know, that's what the would-be writer <laughs> concentrates on is just someone tells, a little bird tells me that Jessica W won't be single for long. It's like, basically Ernest Hemingway with yeah. a brown manner. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I shouldn't acknowledge the greatest literary talent of the late 20th century. And you know, it's oh funny. I wanted to be a writer and I was like, oh, I'm reading a book about a writer. This is great. And it never occurred to me when I was, you know, 12 to, to, to question that that was not exactly the height to which I could aspire. Like that was a pretty <laughs> low bar. And I was saying like, oh, someone's got a date for, you know, the next, I don't know, Christmas week. Carnival. <laughs> they just have so many celebrations. Like we're running, dances, yeah. yeah, we're running out of things. Like they love something for Christmas, and then they love something for I don't know the third Sunday in Advent or something like. It's, oh yeah, any excuse for a party is another thing. <laughs> Pretty much, or a barbecue. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> or true. a pool party, or a uh, pageant of some kind. Oh, or yeah, drowning yeah. somebody like. <laughs> Miss second week of December or whatever they're up to next. <laughs> now, I went to a women's college in South Carolina for my undergraduate. And it does not exist anymore. But while I was there, there was a pageant. <gasps> and so I like, I feel like Sweet Valley prepared me for the absolute <laughs> lunacy that was the Miss Columbia College pageant. And you have to understand, I went to a school with in my freshman dorm, there were so many regional beauty queens. Like I was with Miss Georgia Peach, Miss Sunshine, Miss South the Southern Teen Champion. There was Miss Grits. Um, wow. Miss Grits. <laughs> oh my god! Like I went to so I went to class with so many like legit beauty queens who know how to do things with makeup at that time that I still don't know how to do now. But I I was then I then became the editor of the school paper and I had to cover the the college beauty pageant. And wow. seriously, Sweet Valley gave me so much of an understanding of how to cover oh, this thing. God. So you you I can tell you that when I worked for the college paper and when I was an undergraduate, there were no beauty budgets. <laughs> you, you, you really missed out. I, yeah, I couldn't follow in Elizabeth's footsteps. Oh my god! So no, I feel I feel quite uh, quite hard done by now. Yeah, <laughs> you missed out. You should have gotten that student visa and come to a small women's college with a beauty pageant. <laughs> yeah. I am surprised that a women's college had yeah. loads of pageants. It like, was a very different world. <laughs> it was very different. I was the only Yankee, which is. I mean, it, 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 you understand like the cultural differences of geography being in yes, Ireland, yes. right? I mean, like that's yeah, kind of yeah. obvious. The South and especially the very deep South is so very different. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many, it's so very different. And at the time, so there was a professor who I had in the English department whose name was Dr. Savory. And he passed away after I graduated, but they renamed an award for him. So now it's the Savory Award. <laughs> For a woman who who college graduate who who exemplifies a lot of really excellent things, and so that was bad enough. But the name of the award that it was before it was the Savory Award was most womanly. Whoa! <laughs> oh, yeah. and, it, <laughs> and it's like it's it's like a, a foundation level of okay, this is fine. Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. 
Sam, I'm along for the ride here. All right. Yep. And I got that training from Sweet Valley. Oh, it's a perfect training, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was mad that I didn't get Most Womanly because if you win Most Womanly or you win the Savory Award, there are dolls in one of the alumni rooms and they make a doll to look like you. You pay actual dollars to attend this school. And I will, I will tell you, I got a really good education because I went to this very small college where I didn't have to study dead white dudes. I could study Southern women writers and I could take these really interesting classes and there wasn't a graduate school. So professors were teaching all my courses and I I am very glad I went to the school because it gave me a perspective and a confidence in myself that I don't think I would have had had I not gone through that experience. But I also look back and we're like, they dress up dolls to look like <laughs> most womanly. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So like I read Sweet Valley. I'm like, yeah, okay. This isn't even, even, even the most ridiculous thing. That's incredible. Please send us a picture or tweet a picture of these dolls. I need if, I need all the information. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this now. Just, <laughs> blow my mind. Oh my god. I will way. find them for you. I'll find you some pictures of the uh, the doll collection. They're all in a room and they all stare at you. Oh god. <laughs> oh my lord. I'm just imagining if if uh if my my college has recently opened an alumni room, which is really handy because it's in the middle of Dublin city centre and it's just like a room with a kettle in it, basically. Oh, nice. <laughs> you can go and make a cup of tea if you want. But I could just imagine if they had a wall of terrifying dolls dressed as, <laughs> I don't know, dressed as Oscar Wilde or yeah. Samuel Beckett or some other yeah. <laughs> alumni. It's it's something. It's really something. I got to tell you, it is it is something. Now, as you read as you read through all the books. One of the things that I really appreciate about your particular rereading is the way that you look at the sort of frame about bodies and diet and worth and, you know, self-actualization. And you look at it and you and you critique all of the things that are wrong. Well, there- what are some of the things that you have been most astonished and outraged by? Mm. Oh, God. Well, like. The entire plotline of power play is oh, pretty yeah. horrific. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just astonishing when you're reading it now, just how much they go on about her weight and how she's only popular when she loses weight. And it's just, yeah. it's really damaging messaging. And I'm kind of amazed that that didn't really sink in when I was reading it back when I was younger. Yeah. Like a lot of that kind of stuff seemed to have just gone over my head and I'm really glad it did. I, yeah, because I, I think that some of the, this, the Robin stuff, especially yeah. in that book, is... You know she's bullied horrifically for being uh, for being fat, but the book also mocks her. So it's not yeah. just like these bitches in Pi Beta Alpha are are being horrible to her, which mm. they are. But the book sort of presents her as being kind of gro- a bit grotesque. You know, she's kind nice. of pathetic and yeah, yeah. So even that in itself is is horrible. And then yeah. she loses weight by starving herself mm. and like compulsively exercising. So everything about it is just terrible and. And then I think even in other books, like people who are in that, it's sort of the focus, but it still comes up in other books, you know, where anybody who's a bit plump or or fat is sort of shown as, like you say, being pathetic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a really nasty, nasty message. And I, I'm sure there were kids reading that who felt self-conscious about their weight or bad or, you know, mm. or 
worried about their weight in any way. It just like reinforced every single negative feeling they had about themselves. And I think that's one of the most irresponsible things. And, you know, that we, we take the piss out of a lot. But that is, when, when it comes to that stuff, I think it is genuine horror. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. I definitely remember internalizing a message that as an overweight young person, my life didn't start until I lost weight and that I wasn't fully a person until I was thin. Yeah. And I think that is persistent through the entire series. Mm. You know, not even just the books, like the focus on on a character who, you know, who is dealing with some weight related issue. Like it's a it's kind of just taken for granted, as you say. And I find that really upsetting. Yeah. That did, you know, it's a, it's really sad to, to hear that it affected you. And like you must have been just one of thousands millions maybe who hmm. who was made to feel bad about a book that should have been just silly fun yeah yeah so there is a- and it's only the women too i mean like winston egbert eats a ton of food and everyone's like oh he's hilarious yeah whereas robin eats a cake and oh, it's like right. oh yeah <gasps> and there's all these weird little throwaway lines even where mm. there won't be any major kind of food storyline or anything but they'll be like oh she really wanted to lose weight but like it's just it's really irresponsible and there's just no need and the way they describe anybody like eating you know like they're in the most recent book mm. that we did uh oh jenny the little cousin yeah, yeah so the wakefield's cousin comes to stay and she goes to casey's the ice cream place and has an ice cream and yeah. it's jessica thinking it but it's the reader's kind of encouraged to share the view it's like oh look at her you know stuffing that into her into into her face and spilling ice cream on the table and it's sort of very much presented as being out of control and yeah any sort of enjoyment of food uh if it's not done by a wakefield of course, <laughs> of course. do whatever the hell they want and um, is seen as being kind of grotesque and yeah. messy and yeah it's horrible horrible fat shaming mm-hmm. i don't think yeah what are some of the um, the good parts that you love the most? Like, what are the things that you're like, when it shows up in a book, you're like, yes, this is why I read these pastel pieces of insanity. <laughs> um, any ridiculousness with Mr. Collins. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we just find him hilarious. So funny. It's so funny. He's just always there. <laughs> He's always on the cusp of doing something inappropriate, but yeah. actually, in fairness to him, and the ghostwriters, he never actually does. Apart from his recent offer in, in the charity auction. Oh, the home-cooked meal. The home-cooked meal. <laughs> um, what else is particularly amusing? I, Old Tommy Gangster talk. Oh, I love a bit of Oh, that's the best. <laughs> Ever since we noticed that Bruce Batman was saying things like, I got big, strong arms, see? <laughs> 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 we for yeah. any hint of old tiny gangster talk now. <laughs> we haven't had I want you to know I looked for Mr. Collins Miss Dalton fanfic and there isn't <gasps> any, though there is a ton of Sweet Valley fanfic out there. I could not find anything with Mr. Collins and Miss Miss Dalton. And oh. I always thought they were sort of being subtly put together. Yeah. yeah. And I think at some stage they are together, they are together yeah. but I think maybe they were only together in like one of the specials. Then they turn up to a dance together. I think at some point. Mm. I think they probably felt at a certain point. We need to give Mr. Collins a girlfriend. (laughs) He's constantly always hanging around (laughs) these school dances. Like, well, I can tell you, there's a lot of fanfic about Elizabeth and Mr. Collins, which does not surprise me at all. It's not surprising in the least. It isn't, but it's still horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we want someone to do fanfic about uh, 
the uh, the winners of the auction. Yeah. That <laughs> oh my gosh. We need answers. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We may regret that. Yeah. <laughs> we say that now. Yeah. <laughs> or like a sort of a, apocalyptic uh, Sweet Valley after the scourge started by <laughs> the disease passed at the kissing booth. Oh, <laughs> oh the kissing booth. Oh, <laughs> that's so gross. <laughs> yeah, that's all the Sweet Valley carnival activities. They're another yeah. thing that because they, they keep having so many events. <laughs> events yeah, and their uh, their setups <laughs> tend to include things that are incredible. <laughs> <stuff>. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, but yeah, I'm kind of traumatized thinking of this. But I think there's some line in it where it's like, I must have kissed like a hundred people today. Oh, hope you got your shots. <laughs> oh. Let me introduce you to the concept of a dental dam because <laughs> <you're not. laughs> Yeah, I think that might come to, uh, come under the 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 you know any sort of prophylactic or no, no, like no. device is a no no in sweet body because that would mean acknowledging the existence of gentles which they never will absolutely not i know exa- i knew and probably still know exactly which books have a mentioned of 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 breasts <gasps> Yeah, like, I, I, re- I reread and reviewed Dear Sister on Smart Bitches because I remembered that one being as being the first encounter where Bruce Patman puts his hand on Elizabeth's breast. And I was just oh like, oh, my God. And isn't there another one? And it's also Bruce. It's he Bruce. takes off Jessica's bikini top. Yes. Yeah. And the water, like, hits her bare breasts. Her boobs, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the, that's the nearest it comes to acknowledging that they're not, like, plastic barbies from the neck down no when the one where where jessica's out all night were people just banging on a mattress in this shack and she had to like sit in the corner is that what it is so sordid yeah (laughs) like they're they're smoking something and i think we were like what like what are they smoking it's just like it's just weed like it's not um it's not anything particularly dramatic but there is a bit about Enid talks about her cousin had been to some pajama party where they all had mattresses on the ground and were in their nightgowns. <laughs> like, is this some sort of massive gangbang? <laughs> what are these students doing? They go from zero to a hundred. There's no middle ground with these guys. No, it's like hands off to group sex with a mattress. <laughs> 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 each to their own but that does sound uh, kind of sorted it does it yeah. <laughs> I also learned I learned from your reread of um one the book with Enid that hopped up on Benny's has been something oh, I've oh, said oh. so many times and I knew it was like nonsense and I couldn't remember the source until you said it in an episode <laughs> I'm like, oh my god that's where I got that <laughs> It's like something get on the road, like just you know mm-hmm. taking all their prescription drugs on it yep. down the highway. We <laughs> hopped up on Denny's, yep. okay, as if she was. <laughs> She's never been near a Benny in her life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! They can keep telling us how wild Dina is. No, I just, I just don't believe it. No, no. She's boring. <laughs> oh. yeah. Yeah. She's hella boring. I know. We felt sorry for her in the last one. 
because Elizabeth was trying to fix her up with Jeffrey. Oh, yeah, that was awkward. And yeah, it was very awkward. And she's but... like, really? No, it's okay. Like, I'm not that into him. No, you must be with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're my just... sister. <laughs> you cannot deny the Wakefield vision. <laughs> no one says no to a Wakefield. No. Speaking of apocalypse. <laughs> God. I, I hope somebody has done a post-apocalyptic Sweet Valley High because I would read the hell oh, out of that. that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too scared to look for fanfic. But I would look for that. Oh, dive in. It's really amazing. A lot of and Collins, unfortunately, but it's still pretty amazing. I don't know if you've ever read the very last Sweet Valley High book, um, which is literally an earthquake and the sweet the Spanish style ranch house falls into the hole to the ground. It doesn't this is it doesn't a, a refrigerator kill Olivia? Yes, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. But I never been, read it, but I can't believe that their their ranch house falls into a ground into the hole. I know, it's like the end of Buffy. It's like the yes. you know, Sweet Valley. <laughs> What it's if like, Sweet Valley and Sunnydale are the same thing? <laughs> well, they are both in Southern California. That's true. And they are kind of a hellmouth. Yeah, yes, well, absolutely. I think Sweet Valley is the real hellmouth. Yeah. That would explain a lot. It really oh, my God. Like, it explain the Wakefields. Like, it would explain <laughs> Bruce, too. He's like a vampire. Oh, my God. <gasps> that makes sense. Oh, actually, I would write that. If Anna, I was- that's your new series, Paranormal Sweet Valley. Get on it immediately. If there was, I'm not joking. If there was any way I could do it without being sued, <laughs> I would write a book in which everybody was a very thinly disguised sweet body figure in a sort of vampire-ridden town. I think that would be so much fun. But oh I don't my know. God. Francine would be up for it. Doesn't Jessica date a vampire at some point? <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, they do go spooky at some point. Yes. Yeah. So after book 100, it just goes completely insane. And there's, oh yeah, it's it, off the rails. Yeah. And it's all <laughs> these mini series. So there's like a mini series where they go out in a survival weekend and like in the desert. And there's another one where uh there's a new cheerleading co-captain and you know they will they're they're not standalones anymore they're all like book one two and three of the high school war trilogies kind of yeah Yeah, exactly but then a few of them are supernatural so there's (laughs) this werewolf in london one which (laughs) is absolutely batshit but in that the werewolf is not really a werewolf oh okay it's just somebody in a mask but then there's a vampire one and you think reading that one it's going to be the same so it's not really a vampire but but he is. Is he actually a vampire? He turns into a magpie. <laughs> what? And flies away. As you do. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. Oh my god. He's literally a vampire. It's a Halloween special, right there. <gasps> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yes, it has to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's. I mean, they really lose the one of themselves after a certain point. But <laughs> I, be. I think maybe they realised they'd crossed a line, and that one because it never happened. There's again. no going back. <laughs> I think they tried to pretend that the sweet, the supernatural stuff wasn't canonical afterwards. Yeah, because otherwise you break the canon with that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> then anything's possible. So <laughs> I, I think they they kind of dug down to reel it back in a little yeah. bit. <laughs> but yeah. So it's, precedence there so maybe i could Ooh, totally could and you can you can involve like irish folklore like the fairies all transform into fiats and drive oh. them around oh oh my god <laughs> or it's writing itself it really is okay hollywood if you're listening producers if you're out there listening you're all ready the three of us are ready to collaborate on this oh, yeah. it'll be amazing let's make it happen <laughs> 
So what aspects of this really alternate dimension American culture have baffled you the most? And I need you to know, I, was, I usually listen to podcasts while walking my dogs, and I was bent over laughing when you first tried onion dip. <laughs> and I just want you to know, because it's the holidays, it's on sale right now. I could get you like five boxes for a dollar. Oh, well, what's, I would be tempted. I still have some left over from last year. It doesn't go bad. You're fine. <laughs> but it was delicious it was like surprisingly so like it was it was so gross it was amazingly delicious it was just like salt <laughs> it's a bag of salt oh, yeah it's a bag of, salt. Yeah, a bag of sodium with dehydrated onions in it yeah yeah <laughs> delicious what's that to love <laughs> it was almost that's why we didn't do it again with our Christmas recordings this year because uh, I think it was too distracting and also too smelly <laughs> it's very smelly yeah. Studio just smells like onions for about a week afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't fair to them. It wasn't fair to all the other podcasts. <laughs> if we just recorded it in the privacy of our own home, I think it would have been, or one of our homes, it would have been fine. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> when you're sharing a studio. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the onion dip, we, did, we had no idea that was a thing. No, we were completely proven wrong because we just thought it sounded so horrible. But Oh no, this is America. We can combine dairy and sodium in ways that you've never even imagined. <laughs> yeah, you made it work. I'll give you yeah. some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whipping it out uh, this, this Christmas. Yeah. Um, what else baffles? Oh, the drinking out of a hose. Oh my God, what was that? When Suzanne <laughs> is drinking out of a hose, and we were crying. We were laughing so much. We thought it was like, she was like a She's Labrador. A Labrador. Yeah. Um, and loads of people got in touch and said, this is just a thing that we do in the summer. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the hose water, because the pipes that lead to the outside hose, um, they have this really nice metallic quality. So the oh. water tastes really good. You're not selling it that Wow. <laughs> yeah, hose water is the shit. It tastes great. It's really cold too. So when it's hot, because the pipes are all underground, when it's hot, the hose oh. water is freezing cold. Okay. See, it never gets hot enough here. No. no oh, and the other time I nearly lost control of myself was when poor, I think it was Carolyn couldn't, Caroline couldn't go out because she had a cold and it was raining. Oh, oh, it was Kara. Kara, I was right, and she couldn't leave out because it was. <laughs> it was like never moved to Ireland. No, Cara. she would not last an hour. In no, <laughs> you, she'd never leave the house. Her social <laughs> life would be over. Yeah, well, her school life would be over, but nobody would notice because it ever could do any lessons. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, what else has baffled us? The whole sorority and fraternity thing in high school, like, what is that? Yeah, that but that's weird. You as well, right? It's not actually weird. weird in high school. It's very rare if there is a thing. Because yeah. we don't understand how... I mean, to be honest, even at a university level, it's still kind of insane. Yeah, it still seems bananas even yes. at a university <laughs> level too. But, you know, the fact that the school tolerates a, a high school that's looking it's after like, minors... Yeah, it's like school-sanctioned bullying, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> on end. Um, but even stuff... I mean, I think growing up, there's things where you don't know, is this just the fantasy land of Sweet Valley? <laughs> yeah. Or is this... Like America, I didn't go to America until I was, you know, twenty one, mm. like or nearly twenty two, and so I remember when I first saw, just like in a Boston suburb, saw cheerleaders, and it was like, oh my god! It was when the you know school yep. term it was in mm. September had come around and the school term had, had started. And it was like seeing mythical creatures, you know, it was like seeing <laughs> they're real. And he's like, oh my god, they're actually. They actually do do this. It's not just oh yeah, films and books like so. Those sort of things yeah. were 
Oh yeah, just seemed kind of fantastical. That's true. And like, like even recently, like last year, I was on holidays in the states, and we were driving to Vegas and stopped at like a McDonald's, and like about twenty cheerleaders came in, and I could not stop staring at yeah. them. I was like. Oh, yeah, tiny and lovely yeah. and they all had these like ribbons with their names on them and glitter Whoa. it was incredible I was just fascinated yeah. oh yeah oh yeah and then like my older son is going through high school like tw- well, he, he gets to tour different high schools and not only they're cheerleaders but there's pep squad dance squad um there's the drum line I mean there's all of these squads that come with a uniform Whoa. I remember during the height of the twilight craze Forks, Washington is a real place and they have a cheerleading squad and girls who were on the cheerleading squad were being offered thousands of dollars to sell their Forks cheerleading. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. We go a little bonkers for cheerleading. If someone offered us a Sweet Valley cheerleading sweater, we'd we'd go for it. I would take the hand and all off them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was one on a cover once and we were just like, yeah. And a five beta alpha jacket. But I think because, you know, American teenhood is so fictionalized and and stylized in so many films Mm. and and stuff that we've grown up with. It's hard to figure, you know, figure out what is just the sort of language of teen movies and what is actual reality. reality. (laughs) So it all seems a bit fantastical to, um, to, to us, I think, on the side of the Atlantic. Oh, totally. And it's it's all very iconic in a way where you're you're not just a character, you represent teenhood in yes. a weird yeah. sort of total way. Like I absolutely had the idea of, oh, if I just dye my hair and become very pretentious, my life will be better. If I lose weight, I'll be better because I'll fit this character mold that is the popular yeah. character. Uh, well I think like as somebody who was a teenager in the early 90s is like thank god for Winona Ryder because she was just the heroine of the sort of pale dark haired grumpy (laughs) teenage world (laughs) so she she stood out and then you have you you I think you can really trace a line between Sweet Valley and 90210 and every other teen drama like you can see repeated elements yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I think sweet like nine oh two would know they were well. So say they were the same age as me. They were meant to be the same <laughs> age, except they're all clearly like twenty years older. Um, and they seemed just as fantastical, mm. you know, as as the sweet valiants. To be perfectly honest, yeah. like I, I definitely when when nine oh two would know came out because obviously the show over here, um, thought it was just as like. This is strange and amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and outlandish. It's an alien concept, but we're into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andrea Zuckerberg is very much an Olivia figure. That's true, actually. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. All these archetypes repeat. There's twins. There's yeah, yeah, it's it's a repeating series of archetype characters. Yeah, though old Andrea did look about 35. That's true. Like yeah. there is she was probably the uh, the oldest looking one of them. But yeah, it's uh, it's I think maybe at that time it was still a time of unironically celebrating kind of the fun, um, you know, partying teens. And I think by the time yes. you get to something like Gossip Girl, obviously it's still it's there's more sort of self awareness and yeah. irony about you know the dark side of popularity, and you're not meant to unequivocally identify with the rich, gorgeous kids. 
Even though obviously yep. these core kids in these shows are always also gorgeous, but they're just like <laughs> less, you know, they don't have chauffeurs. So I think the, probably 90210 was the last gasp of that unironic teen madness. Mm. Yes. And then high school is the best years of your life. Oh, come on. Oh, God. Yeah. You're doing life wrong at that rate. Like. <laughs> Very much so. God, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I met my husband in high school. That is the best thing I got out of high school. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I'm all right with that. Yeah. <laughs> so which are your absolute favorite Sweet Valley Highs? Mine is always Winter Carnival just because it's so <laughs> bananas. And it was the first one I read. Wow. And it was like, oh, my gosh, this is literary crap. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more. <laughs> well, what's your favorite? I think of the ones that we've done so far, Dear Sister is probably up there. Because oh it's so good so much in yes it. like i mean you've got elizabeth just going off the rails being jessica jessica having an existential crisis mm. elizabeth regaining her memories by getting like a bump on the head like it's just <laughs> it's got everything you know <laughs> yeah it is one of the best yeah but i think mine has to be one of my gateway drug ones alone in the crowd oh yeah oh it's uh, so good it's so great it's got it's got the jumpsuits oh man it's got um elizabeth in interfering mode so it's kind of hilarious <laughs> It's it's got a lot of droid action. That's true. It's yeah. got somebody who's an outsider, but of course, it being Sweet Valley isn't happy to just go. You know, screw you guys. Yeah, I'm grand over here. <laughs> yeah, I still always want to be part of the of the Sweet Valley set. So yeah, I think that's my that's my all time favorite. But I have to say, the founders of Sweet Valley mm. is. Not just in terms of sheer entertainment, yeah, it's amazing, it's extremely entertaining. Yes. And I have to say, I'm ex- I'm really looking forward to get into the Margot books and <gasps> that whole storyline. I cannot oh, wait. Oh god, <laughs> it's so uh, yeah. That's when it just it just completely loses the run of itself. Yeah. yeah. Once it Elizabeth good. kills, <laughs> there's, there's no going back. <laughs> After the uh, the jungle prom, we're right, drinking spiked. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It, it will take us a while to get onto that because that. Oh, I'll tell you another one that's coming up quite soon is one where Regina dies. Oh God, that is great. Uh, okay, that scared an entire generation off of cocaine. Yes, yes, absolutely. You could have a, a strange reaction to it, and you just drop down dead. <laughs> so just don't take the risk. Yeah, just say no, kids. Yeah. Oh, Nancy Reagan was right after all. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's. It's a classic, and it is. I suppose that's the first one where something really, really serious, properly happens. dramatic. Yeah, and there's no, yeah, there's no really going back after that. No. no, there's really not. And she's Regina is always such this this universal good figure. She never does anything wrong. She never gets in a fight with anybody. Yeah. She's just perfect. Yeah, and then she just won even a perfect girl. That's it to go near with drugs. <laughs> And that's that's it. Actually, and if I remember right, she sort of turns to partying because Bruce is uh, cheating on her with Amy. Oh, or is it that she thinks he's cheating on her with Amy? Where is he? No, I think he is. He is. Yeah, yeah, I think he is because they go out together then. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, it's 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 a good one that's coming up. That is. Yeah. That but of the yeah. ones we've done, I think mine is a is a lonely crowd. Crowd. It did give us our theme tune as well. So that's it did. <laughs> it did too. <laughs> Which I can't sing without laughing, so it sounds very out of tune in every version of it because I'm trying to laugh constantly. So I need to I need to do a proper serious re-record of that <laughs> Take theme it tune. Seriously, Anna. I know. I'm sorry. 
so unprofessional. <laughs> Sweet volume now, podcasting work job. You know, the, the old television show, which I love, Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman. Of course. Had had a had a um an album which was songs from the soundtrack and then Ron Perlman is Vincent reading poetry. You could do an entire Sweet Valley album of songs and then Elizabeth's poetry and crap that people write. Like you could do a whole album. You actually could. Oh my god. Of droid songs as well. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. How is there not been a droid CD? How is there not been a droid CD released somewhere? You always get the names of the songs. Yeah. And sadly not enough lyrics, but like I think we could. You could definitely cobble something together. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Oh, that's a new mission. Oh my God, I'm so excited. The Sweet Valley concept album. I cannot believe there was a Beauty and the Beast album. That is incredible. Oh, I have it in my car. <laughs> if I'm stuck in traffic, I live outside DC. Traffic is terrible. If I'm stuck in traffic and I'm really stressed out, I just have Vincent read me poetry. <laughs> my, my parents used to live in Friendship Heights, just near Bethesda. So I'm I'm aware of the glamorous DC suburbs. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can imagine in the yes in the traffic, uh, you would need whatever gets you through. <laughs> Ron Perlman with fake cat teeth reading Shakespeare really gets you through. Oh, wow. oh my god, I would. It's, I I need to hear this. Hear someone put it on the internet because this just sounds amazing. Oh, I will send you a link. Oh. It's it's definitely. Um, on on SoundCloud at the least. Oh, okay, well that's that. Now I I feel I feel that will inspire us to fresh okay. Valley Heights. <laughs> inspire us. Uh, Olivia's poetry. Oh my God, there's so much stuff you could do. Suzanne yeah. Bruce giving a monologue. Yes, please. Mm. Oh man, Mr. Collins gives his guide for his rules for life. <laughs> I don't know. That would be lack of rules for yeah. life. <laughs> Very much lack of real buildings, probably. Totally. Do you have a favorite cover? Oh, uh, Alone in the Crowd is was also one of my favorites, just because it's got such you know Lynn, who's meant to be like this massive, you know, uh, like dork with yeah. terrible hair and everything. And lot. She looks fabulous. I love her glasses. She's so beautiful on that cover. And her hair is so cool on yeah. her glasses. She looks so much better than Elizabeth oh, like, well, on that cover. That would be hard. Um, <laughs> I think one of the ones, the one with Lila and Jessica back to back is a good one. Ooh. That's the one where they're fighting over Jack. Showdown. Jack. Showdown. Yeah. yeah. Um, and any of the ones that have a sort of um, oh the Dee Dee and Bill and uh, Lovestruck. Will Suzanne succeed in changing Ken? <laughs> no sexy idiot, Ken. I love him. Oh, you do you have any favorite? Can you think of any more? Any favorites? Oh, um... I will send you mine. I don't know if you remember this one. Sweet Valley High Special Edition Spring Break. Oh, oh I think I can picture that Are one. they frolicking on a bike? On bike? No, no, that's the other one. So if you go to the recording software that we're using at the bottom, I just pasted a link for you oh, to see. Ooh, let's see. So they're they're in France. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> oh my god, this is a French. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. God. They both look like they're just screaming. <laughs> they have 
lost us. <laughs> Karen, can you describe this image? <laughs> I don't know if I can. Okay, go on. Oh my God. On the left. Elizabeth is looking at a map of France. And it's just France. Just, just France. Not, just, not a bit of France. We're not, we're not tying it down to any particular area. No. <laughs> but like, Jessica has just lost her mind. She's just staring up into the sky and I assume screaming. <laughs> And she's wearing is it, a, is it another ill-fitting pink polo shirt? Oh no, it's just a regular shirt. Oh, they love dressing like Florida retirees, don't they? I think Liz has a silk blouse on. Of course. Her trademark look. <laughs> and a pair of high-waisted slacks. Oh yes. Pleated. They're always pleated. Of course. Yeah, for that sexy look. <laughs> and what is is Jessica wearing a blazer and kind of holding out the lapels. Holding the <laughs> or was she holding out sort of braces or suspenders to remember? No, I think it's the lapels of a jacket. The jacket, oh yeah. Oh my God. And what's that in the background? Oh, it's a lake. Mm. Oh God, I love this cover so much. <laughs> I th- actually, I think this might be my favourite. This is the most, Yeah, they look the most demented. Scrap everything we just said <laughs> in the last 10 minutes. This is it. <laughs> I... Don't I'm, I definitely don't own this one. I think I do. <gasps> they go to France, yeah. But I think I read it. Maybe I got it out of the library. You probably did. Like I've just wiped it out because <laughs> the shame was too much for me. Oh my oh, yeah. god. That is the maddest I've ever seen so Jessica good. look. It's <laughs> it, it so silly. Boring. <laughs> and also it's very un Jessica like, unless there's like a hot boy or sale of like Parisian fashion. Um <laughs> I can't imagine looking that excited about oh you know God. a lake or whatever the hell they're no, at. There must be like a row of men or something up, up high <laughs> on a building site or something. Or a chateau that belongs to some local funk. <laughs> well, she has had fantasies of... Uh, oh, swanning around a chateau, the Lady Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting her vassals and serfs. Yeah. So maybe that's what she's got planned for, the, for France. Oh, good Lord. That French Revolution couldn't come soon enough. <laughs> There's going to be a lot in the in the Lila uh, backstory. Um, is a very historically inaccurate depiction of the French Revolution, which is quite something. It, this is the one where they go to France as exchange students, and the older brother of their host family is like a total dick to them. But then, of course, ends up falling for Elizabeth because everyone does. Of course, <laughs> of course. But the thing about the special, the super editions, is that whatever happens to them in those episodes or episodes in those books is not canon it doesn't come back they never mention it again and they like they have these wonderful love affairs that are completely disconnected from the rest of the series it's like a weird little parallel universe or something they happen in though the one exception to that i think that uh, special christmas the one that is going to be our 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 christmas episode christmas episode that's coming out tomorrow as we record um i think that kind of is canon because that's the kind of final rupture between elizabeth and todd Mm. And oh, I, you're right about that. That is the sort of the, the death knell of their relationship. Yeah, and I think when Todd comes back, the books that I got out of the <laughs> library, and, but thank you, Boston Public Library, in 1997, the I think that they reference him having a thing with Suzanne then when he comes back. Oh, right, 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 right. So, but that's probably the only one though. I think I it is like the only for one for the most part. They just kind of happen in oh, a yeah. self-contained bubble or something yeah. yeah it's like there's another of the all oh, the summer ones yeah are definitely, i mean summer which summer is it like <laughs> how many summers are you to kill to have how many christmases exist in one school year yeah. yeah yeah oh well i mean the 
the specials as they, like they had super thrillers as mm, well. Yeah, I don't know when they were meant to take place. Random times of year, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, because she's off working for the paper or something, so it must be it must be holidays of some sort. Well, mm-hmm. we have found out recently that in this universe, <laughs> kids are taken out of school to go and do random shit like constantly, <laughs> like their cousin. It just comes and stays with her for two weeks in term time. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What's she doing? Is she going to school? Who knows? Who even knows? Who cares? They don't. Not us. Doesn't apply to us. We don't care. We've got a flexible approach to yeah. uh, the educational timetable. We have a flexible approach to everything. Well, that is that very is true. true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a magical, terrifying world. It really I love is. that description. Terrifying. These are terrifying. Well, they, well, they are. <laughs> they are. I think we terrified ourselves. I <laughs> didn't realize it was so full of uh, body shaming, slut shaming, racist, uh, uh, sexual predators. There you go. Yes. Pretty <laughs> much. Well, there's very few decent people there. Yeah. So there's a couple. We've, we Every so often we decide, you know, who you could actually bear to hang out with in real life. And it's like three people. Yeah. The short list. Yeah. <laughs> very, very short. So I always ask this question. What are you reading right now that you want to tell people about? And you may absolutely feel free to pimp the dickens out of yourselves, please. Have you got any uh, suggestions? What am I reading? Actually, I'm reading um, that Nora Ephron uh, collection, I Feel Bad About My Neck. It was on offer there on oh, yeah. uh, Kindle. And I'm really oh, enjoying she's, it. Yeah. So good. She's amazing. Yeah. And then oh. the next thing I'm going to read is uh, the Tana French series, Dublin yes. Murder Squad. I'm really excited about that. I've heard really good things. I have just got a proof of the new one, which Ooh. is out in America, uh, but it's not out here for a few months. Okay. So I'm ready for work. Um, I haven't started it yet, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I actually I just read a biography of Charlotte Bronte by Claire Harmon which was amazing really entertaining and really interesting about people's attitudes to romance and uh, and people's romance romance novels Um, so that's been one of the best books I've read recently and what else um, one of my favourite books this year was Transcription by Kate Atkinson, which I really, really loved. And it's about a young woman working in uh, for MI5 during World War II in, when they had a mission to try and entrap Nazi sympathisers by getting an agent to pose as a Nazi sympathiser going, tell me all your information that you want to pass on to Germany. And yeah. <laughs> just passing it on to, uh, to, the, to the British authorities. And it's just a really clever, subtle, twisty sort of book. And I absolutely loved it. So that's, that's one of my big recommendations for 2018. But have you got any, you know, yeah. any, uh, what are you reading at the moment? Have you got any romance recommendations for us? Oh, always. (laughs) It's like my whole whole entire job. Okay. So there's two books that I'm um, reading and and looking at that are coming out. Um, In the States next week, there's a new Elizabeth Hoyt series. She writes historical romance, but um, she writes sort of adventure romance. There's always ass kicking and chases and and like action mysteries. So it's like if if you like romance in the vein of of the Scarlet Pimpernel, you would like her books. See the Maiden Lane series, and the new one is called Not the Duke's Darling. The heroine is a member of a secret society of oh, wise yes. women. Oh no! Which <laughs> is descended. Yes, it's so interesting, and it's it's very 
orderly. It has a very long history and it goes back to uh, Celtic women organizing quietly the information that women were allowed to have that they didn't want to tell anyone. And there's all of these elements of history that sort of come into the book. So there's a person who's a member of parliament who's trying to introduce a bill that would allow witch hunting again. And they're trying to stop that because they always get accused of witchcraft. And the knowledge that they have, like um, birth control and midwifery, all of that is connected to accusations of witchcraft. So I did an interview with the author and she talked a lot about the ways in which witchcraft as an accusation against women is deployed over and over again in history when really it's just women not being under a man's control. I did an essay on that in college. Right? It's... It doesn't fucking stop. <laughs> it's so, yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds really good. And yeah. Actually, that reminds me of another um, romance novel that I read recently. I really liked Stephanie Burgess's uh, Spell Swept. Um, so she's got a series that are set in a sort of a parallel version of Regency England in which men, women uh, run politics and men run magic. And the heroine is somebody who is a, is a woman who, who joins sort of wizard uh, university or, oh, or library <laughs> academy but now she, she she's not allowed to use magic anymore and it's a really good adventure and it's got a great uh, romance at the center of it so it's uh it's fantastic so those are, I, oh and it's a novella too yes so it's uh, i wish that was my only fault with it i wanted it to be longer Oh, I was... So there's snow spelled and spell swept. Oh, snow spelled is the one I'm thinking of actually. With the uh, the spell swept is a, I think it's a prequel. It's a prequel. Yeah, it's a prequel novella. Yes. <gasps> so yes, she's a, she's a recommendation. And the other book you might find interesting. Um, I don't know if there's any romance in it, but it's being promoted among romance fans, which makes me think there's probably a, a romantic element. It's called The Gown by Jennifer Robson, and it's historical fiction about the women who made Queen Elizabeth, the current queen's wedding get, wedding dress. Oh, uh, yeah. Anything set in a, 50, in a 1950s <laughs> like sewing studio, yeah. that sounds very <laughs> much in. my sort of thing. So, is, that your, is that your catnip? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Anything from sort of about 1920 to about 1960, you know. Yeah, to realize. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. So, oh, thank you for that. You're very welcome. The other one I've been listening to is Reese Bowen's um, Constable Evans series, which is about a a Welsh constable in a small town. Mm. Um, and there's lots of you know grumpy gentlemen saying the Welsh double L, which I really like because I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. So I like that one a lot. Oh, and, and Reese also has a series you might like if you like the twenties. Um, the Her Royal Spinus series is set in the 20s. It's about uh, Lady Georgiana Rannoch, who is like 34th in line for the throne, but has no money. And so she's trying to make a living in a way where she's she's not allowed to work publicly. She can't be seen working publicly. So she comes up with all these schemes and then also realizes that she's really good at solving crime, hence mystery series. Oh, that sounds any so <laughs> vintage, like classic set mystery series is also my cat. <laughs> yeah, you would love this series. The the narration, if you like audiobooks, the narration is brilliant. Oh, I'm gonna get there. I've got some audible credits. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and her love her love interest is a is an Irish guy. Ooh, that Darcy could, O'Mara. That could sometimes be dangerous because yeah. they sometimes try and put Irish characters tread some, carefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do sort of Irish dialect, which can be uh, it can be a bit dodged if it's not done right. Yeah, yeah it can be quite grating. I'll be, but I'm intrigued. I'm gonna give. So what's his name? Darcy O'Mara. 
Darcy O'Mara, he's the son of a of a of some sort of British or British Irish, um, some kind of, of of Irish aristocracy, but he has no money. And at some point during the series, his father sells all of their lands to some rich American who wants to own a horse farm, and then ends up moving into the stables. And it just kills this guy that his dad is now living in stables and running the the, the property that used to be theirs. Oh man, Irish yeah. living in stables. I am sold. <laughs> so there was a horse and an Irish guy, and it's set in the twenties. Done. You're good. <laughs> You're in. <laughs> There's some stable-based romance in the uh, in the next li- in the Lila saga. That's as well. true. Yeah, Lila's got a lot of horse action. Wait, that didn't. Sound <laughs> yeah. right. That sounded oh, bad. That's it. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring attention to it. <laughs> oh no, I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I, my, I, that's going to be my uh, my Christmas holiday reading sorted. Nice. I'm going to load oh, up. Email me anytime for recommendations. I always have. Oh well, no, I well, I've, I've used the site many times. <laughs> I think Julia Quinn and Courtney Milan are my favorite. Oh my gosh, Courtney Milan is so good. You would like Tessa Dare too if you like Courtney Milan. Tessa Dare. Tessa Dare. Yes. Very great name. Yeah, it is great. Okay, I'm going to look up her too. Uh, my Kindle's going to get a. Get a workout. <laughs> and that brings me to the end of this episode, or most of this episode. I want to remind you after the outro and after the music, there's an additional section that I relocated where they talk about the Eighth Amendment overturned in Ireland and what that campaign meant for them. So if you're interested in listening to that part, keep listening. It'll be after the music. I will, of course, have links to the podcast, to Anna and Karen's work online, to some of the books that they mentioned, some of the books that they've written, and all of these other things. So you can have a look at the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. If you're looking to add this to your podcast queue, I hope you do. It is really fun. And you can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave me a voicemail at one 301 Ask me questions. Give me feedback. Tell me a terrible joke. You know I love those. But I love hearing from you, so thank you for getting in touch. Today's podcast is brought to you by Suddenly Mine by Samantha Chase, the newest book in her fan-favorite Montgomery Brothers series. If you like Susan Mallory and Bella Andre, you will love this contemporary romance set on the California coast. Christian Montgomery is burnt out. The family business might be his entire world, but his father's judgment means Christian never stops working. His only respite is gazing at the beach and the carefree surfers riding the waves, especially the curvy redhead who's caught his attention. Sophia Bennington has just fled from her small Kansas town to California, where she's trying her best to embrace her new beginning. Soon, Christian and Sophia find one another, and it feels like sanctuary. But when their difficult pasts catch up to them, will they run away from each other or toward a new future? Samantha Chase has been called classic, thoughtful, and as lyrical as the stars. And Booklist says Chase just gets better and better. Sweeter than hot and hotter than sweet. Suddenly Mine by Samantha Chase is coming January 29, wherever books are sold. You can find out more at chasing-romance.com. Every episode gets a transcript, and this transcript, like all of them, is hand-compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. 
The transcript this week is brought to you by our Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a pledge starting at a dollar a month, you are making a deeply appreciated difference in continuing the show and making sure that every episode is transcribed and therefore accessible to people who want to read or listen or both. If you would like to join the Patreon community, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges begin, as I said, at $1 per month. And you'll be part of the group that helps me develop questions and tells us what to read for our quarterly book club, which we will be starting this year. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches for all of the details. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is the Peat Bog Fairies. This is their album, Black House. This track is Jake's on a Plane. It's one of my favorites. You can find the Peat Bog Fairies and all of their music at Amazon and iTunes, or you can find the Peat Bog Fairies themselves at peatbogfairies.com. I will have links to all of the podcast information we discussed, including links to their podcast, Double Love, and I will have links to their websites, their Twitter Twitter handles, Twitter feeds, Twitter accounts, uh, where they are on the Twitter. And I will have some other links to things we discussed, as well as all of the books that we mentioned. And there were a lot because, well, book people talk about books and then we mention more books and it becomes very expensive. So if you're looking for any of that information, it is at smartbitchesdrashybooks.com slash podcast. Now, it is time for me to tell you what is coming up on the website this week. And I am very excited. It is a very big week for us. Saturday, tomorrow, if you're listening on Friday, it is time for our monthly, much-anticipated, wonderfully expensive discussion of what you're reading. We share what we are reading, you share what you are reading, and then we all buy still more books. It's great fun, and I know a lot of you look forward to it each month, so I'm really excited that it is time. This week, we also have a slew of new reviews. Maybe I need a better plural noun for reviews. What would the plural noun of reviews be? I need to think about that. Either way, new reviews. We've got some. We have a new edition of Cover Snark, which I know you all enjoy. And we have a rant from Amanda, plot bunnies from Big Stock Photo, books on sale, and another recap from Elise of the train wreck. That is The Bachelor. But this week, we also have a very special event. Are you ready? Thursday, the 31st of January is the 14th anniversary of the start of Smart Bitches. Woohoo, 14 years, that's a big one. Now I will be celebrating with some fun giveaways. Usually I look at the traditional anniversary gifts, but the anniversary gifts are gold and ivory, so I'm getting a little creative this year. As always, it is an honor and a complete joy to discuss romance and learn from all of you every day. Thank you for being part of Smart Bitches and thank you for being part of our 14th year of mayhem and merriment and man titty. I hope you will stop by and help us celebrate. And now it's time for the bad joke. You know, I love this part. Here we go. <clears throat> what is the opposite of lady fingers? Do you give up? What's the opposite of lady fingers? Mentos. <laughs> Mentos. <laughs> Mentos. Actually, I haven't told that one to the husband, and because furlough is terrible, he's actually home. Hang on a second. Let, let's let's do a live retelling of this joke. Okay, I have acquired a husband. I mean, I had one for a while, but now I have the actual husband in the room. You look very nervous about this joke. <laughs> I'm all good. Let's okay. Go. All right. What is the opposite of lady fingers? Oh, you're actually thinking. 
Is this like a trivia I podcast? Are you gonna like? Is I, gonna that, 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 that's the way I. That's the way my brain naturally works. But just go ahead. You don't know. I What's don't. What's the know. opposite of ladyfingers? Okay. Mentos. <laughs> Not the fresh maker in this case. It's really bad, right? That's pretty bad. <laughs> okay. Well, on behalf of my poor husband who has to put up with me and the cats and myself, we wish you the very best of reading and we will see you back here next week. And remember, there's more podcast after the music. So if you want to stay tuned, keep on listening. Before I get to my final question, I have to say that I loved how excited and happy you were after the referendum passed.
Oh, yes. And how just over the moon joyous you were. Because let me tell you, hearing people win is is, is really nice. I haven't had that here in a while. Yeah. And uh, having people win the right to own their own bodies and sexuality in, in a country where that was so not true yeah. for so long, that was just delightful. Are you still are you still out activating or activating? What the hell, Sarah? Are you still <laughs> out um canvassing and working or is that like done done and you don't have to worry about it anymore um it's kind of it's it's going through the sh- the senate at the moment yeah so the upper house um in the government the, the, the legislation moment. yeah so we're kind of we are kind of getting there like yeah it's, it looks like maybe in january it'll actually be done Legal. and in yeah. law yeah and amazing so we did have to you know and i like contact our tds mm. which are, who are members of parliament we had to you know after the referendum there was a bit of a push on them to sort of carry through the the suggested legislation because before the referendum, they had they had to give proposed legis- you know proposed um, legislation for what was actually going to be law because the referendum obviously just got rid of the Eighth Amendment and mm. the Eighth Amendment had essentially banned all abortion by equating the woman's life to to right to life to that of a fetus. And so, which which effectively meant that you couldn't legislate for abortion at yeah. all. So, what they before the referendum to repeal it, they had to say, okay, well, once it's out, gone, this is what we're going to bring in. Yeah. And after uh, after we won, we had to keep reminding them, you know, this is what was this proposed. Is what we're voting for. People yeah, knew is... that this was likely to be the legislation. Yeah. You know, in all through basically. Yeah. 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 Bringing into 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 the door of the House of Parliament. And that has gone through. So, I mean, yeah. it is going to be effectively abortion on request for the first three months. Mm. And then after that, in like certain health cases. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not entirely perfect. No. But it's it's not bad. Yeah. And, and the important thing is, is that it can be, you know, it can be improved by legislators, not by... Instead of having to go to a referendum every time or anything. Like, yeah, yeah. we've done that bit. So yeah. it's like, now they can actually just legislate and just do it right. Yeah. And the thing with the referendum is because the referendum to bring it in had been brought in in 1983. Mm. You know, when... Know, were you even born? Nope. <laughs> I was, I think I was eight the week it went through. And it meant that yeah, we were the same age. I was eight at that time. Yeah, so like that's our, you know, a massive chunk of my life, uh, all of your life, yeah. and it was impossible to, you know, to do anything. Like I went to my first pro choice march in about nineteen ninety two, um, wow. yeah, which was the X because the X case happened, which was a case where a girl was raped. She was fourteen, so she was younger than me, uh, which really struck me. And she was raped, and her parents wanted. They were going to take her. She got pregnant, and she their parents were taking her to England to have an abortion. But they went to the police first because they wanted to get a DNA sample from the fetus to you know convict the rapist. And the attorney general stepped in and said, "You can't leave the country to have an abortion because you're leaving the country to commit a crime." Effectively, under the Eighth Amendment, we have to stop you. And she was basically stopped from leaving the country. And that caused such mass public outcry, mm. in fairness to the country as a whole. Like, yeah. there were very, only diehard extremists were defending this. Um, that there were referendums um, that year, I was too young to vote them, allowing the right to travel and the right to information. Because before that, it was illegal to disseminate abortion information. 
Right. So people would, you know, you'd get in English magazines with the pages at the back for family planning clinics were whited out. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. And like when I was in college, there'd be, you know, people would write numbers for abortion clinics and abortion helplines on the back of the toilet doors. Um, and the students' union in my college, one of whom is now, a, the head is now a senator <laughs> who has been campaigning for this for ages. They were taken to court by a pro-life organisation because they were giving out abortion information in college. And the students' union was like bankrupted and everything. It was just, it was very severe. Yeah. And we didn't think for ages we'd have a chance in I mean, did you think that we don't get to really change it? No, and like, that's the thing. You go out and you go on marches and you hope for the best, but like, it just never really seemed like it was really within reach or that it was really going to happen. And then when it did, it was just like, God, we did it. (laughs) And I think with the canvassing, because we both did a lot of canvassing in the months in our separate, we we canvassed together or we 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 leafleted together, which was amazing once. But, um, you know, you'd be going around the doors and it would be mostly yes, but you keep telling yourself, well, this is a Dublin. You're afraid to believe it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think we all thought it was going to be 51, yes. Yeah. You know, 51, 49. Mm-hmm. And then the, that night, I had spent the day of the referendum going out, giving out, like, don't forget to vote yeah. cards and stickers. And I came home and I was so tired. And I was, always, I was just, I was crying with yeah. tiredness. I think I did like four leaflet drops that day. Yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. My hands were in tatters. <laughs> and then getting the exit poll yeah. that said it was like 68%. Like, it just... I went down to we. There was a spontaneous gathering of my local <laughs> canvassers, and we all just gathered and just cried, yeah. and it was, it was astonishing. And it did come from people. I think this is the thing that could be inspirational to people elsewhere, is that it came from a very grassroots campaign. Mm. It was literally going out, knocking on doors, yeah, yep. talking to people, talking to people face to face, yeah, yeah, and and having the awkward conversations with relatives, yes, yeah, you know, it was very much I think none of us wanted to wake up on that morning and think I could have done more that's it yeah and I think yeah. that's what galvanized everybody so you know it can be done I know it was so inspiring that and the videos of people from around the world who traveled for hours to go home to Ireland oh, just yeah. to vote home to vote just breaks me every yeah. time like oh my god people turning <laughs> up at arrivals in the airport yeah. and just strangers being there and oh. hugging them and it was incredible yeah, and like my sisters live because you can't automatically vote if you're, you can only vote if you've been out of the country for like two years. 18 months or yeah. yeah. So my sister's lived in London for like 19 years and she can't vote, but she could donate to a funding page that mm. was paying for like 25 year olds, you know, to, to go home and vote. Um, so there was just such solidarity. Yeah. It was. It's incredibly moving. I think it's one of the yeah. things I'm most proud of being involved in. Absolutely, yeah. Ever. And, and it was it was delightful to listen to your to your relief and your happiness <laughs> against the context of Sweet Valley, which is such a <laughs> terrible sexual world. Like, okay, in the real world, shit is getting better. Yeah. No, let's talk about this other one. <laughs> well, I hope that it has been like, you know, because I, I, I do understand what it's like to be in a country where you just feel you know what's the point yeah we can't change yes 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 we have that feeling yes and and you have our massive sympathy but i think you know we have had two referendums in the last few years um you know we had an equal marriage referendum three years ago Mm. um sorry three years and three years ago and the um eighth this year and the progressive side won overwhelmingly yeah in both 
in both cases. So sometimes you get these reports like university, it's, you know, all around the world, it's a massive swing to the right. And, you know, it isn't always. And I think a lot of that does come, both those campaigns were very much grassroots. Yeah. It was people's stories that, that did it in the end. Like, yeah. Yeah. People so, sharing their stories. Yeah. And I think that is the, you know, if anybody elsewhere can take anything from it, it mm. is the, you know, feet on the ground, if you can. Yeah. Um, and getting involved in a really practical way because it, as it does, it does reach people, I think. Yeah. In, in a way that not, you know, things being a bit more disconnected doesn't necessarily. So, uh, you have all our sympathies and hopefully a certain politician, well, I won't even call him a politician, a person <laughs> who uh, who I won't name will be in jail within a couple of years. <laughs> oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be the, I think that's the only thing that I will find satisfying Absolutely. at this stage. Yeah, it's the only conclusion, really. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Long jail service mm. and beta or work in the White House. That's what I would like to oh, say. Nice. Oh, <laughs> An example of an Irish American in the public sphere who has been disgracing who himself. Hasn't like, made a show of us, yeah. Yes, like a lot of the White House staff oh, in recent recent times. Yeah. <laughs> when whenever somebody in the states who's Irish does something dumb, do you just sort of go, "Oh God"? Yeah, yeah. I think they're not one of ours. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're not here. We sent them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't want them. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. We take everyone. I mean, come on. We took we took Justin Bieber from Canada. <laughs> no, I, the way with Justin Bieber, I figure we broke him. We bought him. <laughs> he has to stay. Yeah, you didn't have a choice, really. No, no you're responsible for that. <laughs> I, I, we're responsible for definitely that. Very sorry. <laughs> oh dear. On that lofty note, I think we've I think we've, we've moved from the sublime to the ridiculous. Yes. 